Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Saqib, uh, welcoming you for another episode of Tennis with an Accent. Uh, today, we have a special guest, someone who's been supporting this podcast from the very first few weeks, uh, a Twitter friend, a big Roger Federer fan. When uh, she when she's not working, uh, or, you know, she's always following tennis. Welcome, Laura. Thanks for doing this on such a short notice. Thank you, Sakib. Um, well, uh, when I'm not working, let me correct that. I'm actually following tennis even when I'm working, thankfully. Um, apologies for my voice. It's not that deep normally coming uh, over bronchitis, but hopefully I'll sound okay to be understood with my accent. Uh, you're only um, adding to the accent and you sound totally fine. So. Uh, <laughs> There's some Greek accent. <laughs> for your collection, even though Tsitsipas beat me to that, I think, right? Yeah, that was thanks to you. You put him some, something on, you know, on the Twitter radar for many of us because you were following him for his junior days. So, yeah, let's talk about him later. But, uh, you know, your identity on, in the Twitter platform is, you know, mainly as a Fed fan. So just uh, walk us through, you know, quickly, you know, how you got into tennis or what was the first impressions of Federer, why, why you start following him. To be honest, I mean, I know I'm a crazy Fed fan and I do fall under that category. And what do they call us? Fed tards? I mean, yeah. bring on the insults. I, I have, uh, you know, cringed uh, uh, my own tweets at times, but, you know, I'm owning it. Um, life is too short. But um, I, I actually didn't get uh, to follow Federer from the start. I had no TV and I had uh, like three jobs and graduate school and I was in full survival mode. So I missed the most happy years, but not that I can complain. We're getting plenty of happiness as Fed funds now. Um, I think 2011 is when I really had a, I don't know how it happened, but um, I just somehow coincidentally via Twitter realized that there was a whole tour ATP. I know this is going to sound, you know, mock worthy, but I didn't, I wasn't aware of the ATP tour and that there was anything, um, there was tennis be, behind, besides the slams. And then it was like, Oh my God, you know, can I have cake every day? Yes, please. And you know, it, it escalated very quickly from there on, you know, I can watch better every week almost, you know, so it was kind of like that. And you so, must be a very quick learner because, uh, you know, I've interacted you on, uh, on, on Twitter and uh, your knowledge just spans, you know, not Federer. You're, you're talking about Jamor, you're talking about Strof, and you've gone to Dubai to catch a match. And, uh, you know, Sitsipas is someone you brought to many of us as radar, you know, a couple of years ago. So, yeah, you are a fast runner. If you got into tennis in 2011, uh, you know your stuff because you uh, you are beyond a Federer fan to me. You 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 know your tennis well. I mean, I think people who do, you know, there's uh, we all know who we are on Twitter. But people who watch tennis a lot, uh, it it doesn't take effort if you're into it. You know, it's you know, it's uh, it's kind of uh, I'm not articulating what I want to say, but. It's uh, what you do because it gives you happiness. And then, uh, you know, the fact that you remember their names and follow them is just for your own, for your own plane, you know. Uh, yeah, I, just- I, I totally agree with you. I think uh, even as fan experience, there are layers within the layers. When uh, I was not active on Twitter, I was on Twitter for uh, quite some time and I used to follow some blogs. Jonathan is one and then Ruan had his Federal blog. And I met few people through that. And uh, before coming to Twitter, I just like like many people, you know, I thought I knew a lot of tennis. But there's been a lot of humble awakenings and a lot of people uh, have schooled me. I mean, I'm not someone who gets into Twitter arguments, but I've taken knowledge from wherever it comes. And there's a lot of tennis fans, a lot of Federer fans, a lot of Djokovic fans, Nadal fans. But then there are a lot of tennis fans who are following from the challenger level to any tournament. And people know about any player. And there's so many sets of fans. Like if you need a Gulbis fan, you can go to certain players for news or certain uh, Twitter attack, you know, account holders and vice versa. If you want to know about Pui, you know who to follow. So I'm sure, you know, I'm, uh, it's uh, any, anyone who's following tennis like this, who's listening to this podcast like you do or like I do, uh, this is like a deeper layer of tennis fans. But again, we don't claim that we're the most knowledgeable. Uh, not, 
not even close, but I do have to say it has to do with also specific players who attract you. Uh, for example, when uh, Curios was, uh, when I don't know how he got into my periphery and how, how I first heard about him, but he, he was really young. And then uh, I caught myself starting to watch Challengers and, you know, mm-hmm. this just now, you know, Tallahassee and all these challengers, and they were uh, for the wild card for French Open, I think. It was um, that Curious uh, won a couple of those, and and um, that's how I got into watching more challengers as well. After, you know, watching him, then I was like, well, why am I not watching challengers every week? And so I think, uh, you know, credit to also the, how a player with, uh, you know, who has that sort of, who can attract that sort of interest. Uh, for me, it was also, you know, a little bit of the ethnic part. Oh, he's Greek. But, you know, it's also the the star power, you know. The... Yeah, I think I'm very similar. Not, yeah, star power or, again, you know, you connect with a player. Like I connected as a fan with Gulbis in 2007 US Open and since then, you know, I'm following, and similarly now, Gulbis is playing challengers, so I give him credit. He comes from a lot of money, and a lot of time people talk about stuff that, you know, he's not into for the right reasons, or he's not serious, but believe me, you know, if, you're, if you've been top 10, and now what he's doing, trying to find his way back, and he's playing a lot of challenges now, so similarly, uh, like you said, you follow a player, and then you start following their path, and a lot of time that path takes you to the challenger circuit, and, and vice versa. Uh, so, yeah, let's get back to Federer then. Uh, we all know he's taking a hiatus. He's, you know, as I said already, he's closer to the end, maybe a couple more years, you know, if his body uh, stays in shape and, you know, he, he's still enjoying. So as a Fed fan, how difficult is this stretch? Uh, uh, when he's not around, you're looking forward to the grass or there are still enough other players keeping you engaged in the clay season, which has been dominated by Nadal uh, so far. It's not even It's not even a competition from anyone towards him. Yeah, no, I'm engaged. I mean, I'm, I don't fall under the category of people who stop watching tennis. Uh, you know, I, I, that's what I do for fun when I'm not with other humans. And actually, I have managed to even make my boyfriend watch with me. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. um, this is my, this is, you know, he, he knows where to find me in front of the TV watching tennis. He, he finds it very amusing. Uh, but so as far as clay, um, I've been watching because there's plenty of other players I like. And yes, Tsitsipas likely has been doing very well. But um, I don't enjoy watching Nadal matches very much. And that's not a secret. I try not to tweet many negative things, but he's my, one of the least you know, appealing players to me, even though I have so many friends and I have tried and tried to find what the appeal is um, by looking at him. But, I mean, watching his matches, uh, I just don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, oh, I'm impressed, you know, his volley skills and, he's, you know, this, I catch myself sounding like an imbecile, but I'm saying it's not that I don't respect um, yeah, the, the amazing things he do. Does, uh, but I don't seek watch to watch his matches. Uh, but I, I've been watching. But of course, uh, I miss Federer matches. But I kind of take it for granted. It's it was going to be like that. So I I can't say. I think I've moved. I moved on really fast. Immediately as the schedule is uh, announced, I yep. that's it. You know. You know. But. Um, if I'm worried about time running out and, you know, the uh, yeah, the, the, the fact that um, maybe this is going to be the last good year, yes, it crosses my mind. But again, you know, there's so many things to worry about than to start worrying about something that's going to happen next year. So I, I try to stay very positive, I have to admit, in contrast to how I am with myself. Uh, when it comes to my favorites and tennis, I always have the most uh, positive outlook. Mm. So I do think, uh, yeah, please interrupt, interrupt me. I don't mean to go on a model. But... No, I'm going to throw a question. Uh, this, is, this doesn't apply to Roger or, uh, you know, alone. It applies to Roger and uh, Nadal because they have been dominating the sport along with Djokovic uh, for quite mm-hmm. some time. And uh, I'm sure Nadal fans are happy because he's, you know, right now holding number one and looks like he's very unlikely. He'll lose, 
a match and play. And if Federer comes back healthy, he would be the favorite at Wimbledon. It may not be as easy to win again at 37. But let me ask you a broad question. I know these fan bases, you know, are always going at each other. But as a tennis fan, uh, these two legends are rewriting, you know, rewriting their longevity. Is it good for the game uh, that we keep seeing them again? I know it brings a lot of seats, a lot of business interest because they're two of the biggest stars. But what does it say about the tour? Uh, so, if Roger and Rafa, suppose, win the next two slams, so now between them, they would have won six slams. Is that good for the sport? Uh, let's look. I'm not going to say it's bad for the sport, but I see what the point... I th- I, th- I don't think it's a black and white thing. I think... I Do I want to see people, you know, stepping it up to Nadal? I mean, come on, it's been ridiculous. His streak has been... You know, you almost think how, this is, you know... My brother, who saw him play live in, in Spain, he, he told me he looked out of this world, you know, like, like um, um, what was the word he used? Uh, it's uh, escaped, escaped me. But um, so, and, and I don't think Federer has been dominating in that way. But um, so, yes, but the end result is what you're saying, that they have won the last uh, few slams and, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Come on, time will run out, and we will be it, we'll be looking back at this and thinking, "Oh, how great it was." But yeah. what, what I mean I, is, as a better fan, you know, uh, you know, if he wins Wimbledon, you know, I'll be one of the happy campers. But you know, I think it's okay if as wherever Kyrgios, you know, or, or a team, one of these guys win the next two majors or start winning at least one. I think uh, the sport will go forward with those those things. I mean, to to be honest, I, I I don't know what got me so high on Struve. What was he? Which tournament it was? Uh, maybe uh, two tournaments ago. Some I don't know what which match I was uh, watching, or maybe it was the Fed Cup uh, where he won the you know the doubles. And I was thinking this kid will will be you know like a Burdick two point and he might actually win a slam. Why not? You know, if you look at him when he's now 28, but he, when he was 25, he looked like a teen. I think he has a very, very late development. And, you know, you know, I'm a fan, so I'm partial, but I, why not? So if, if the path clears maybe in two years, yes, I think uh, things are going to be different. But I, I would put the blame on media. If, uh, if there's no spotlight given on this... Uh, other people, except for Federer and Nadal, I think it's not because the other players are not trying or, you know. No, that's, that's a very uh, good point because uh, I think media, especially in the social media age, has become more about coverage into like highlights, whoever can put the best tweet, whoever can report a thing faster. I think uh, sometimes you're missing uh, the basic stuff and you're right. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I even asked the same thing about Nick Lester and Rob Koenig and they said, yeah, you know what, it's not bad. But at the same time, these guys are legends if they keep winning. And, uh, you know, the sport is better off. Uh, but they also got the point, like, media or mainstream coverage does shortchange, uh, you know, the guys like Stroh or Jamur or, or anyone, for instance, if, as long as your name is not Djokovic, mm-hmm. Nadal or Federer. I mean, the tour ATP um, themselves are doing a, a good uh, are doing good work, you know. They do try to... to, to uh, bring spotlight to these people, but they don't have, they cannot control, you know, the, the message always. Is Struff one of the guys you follow, you know, besides Roger? I know Roger's a big favorite. So who else uh, are you keeping tabs on, on a weekly basis on the men's tour? Yeah, I mean, if I see a draw and there's some some matches that kind of light up a little bit, I get star eyes a little bit. Yes, when I see Struff, uh, I get that. When I see Pui, uh or Basilasvili, uh, who I'm very excited he got through qualies, and I didn't actually have had him winning today, so uh, he's playing one fee, um, even though he disappoints people a lot. Um, he's a big enigma, but yes, uh, definitely it's true. And he has a very hard opener versus Copio. From all the qualifiers he could have been facing, I think that could be a little bit of a kryptonite. Because I, I mm. saw them live in Dubai in an outer court when the, when I was there just for you know half a day, but I was lucky to see Struff play Copil, uh, or is it Copil? Please correct me. I'm I, I remember. So 
I think it's a pill, but it's an idea. Okay, I, mean, okay. I don't know. My Romanian, not good. Um, but yes, the Romanian Federer. So even though Kopil has been struggling and indoors is his best uh, 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 surface, I think um, it will be a close one. I don't. I don't see. I had Struff going uh, past a couple of rounds, but now I'm a little bit, you know, hmm. worried. <laughs> even though I like Kopil. Yeah, the, the, I think that's one of the better better matches in the first round. So who else is on your radar for this uh, Madrid draw before we start breaking it down? Um, hmm. Well, uh, what about you? You tell me because I need to, to remind myself a little bit. Uh, okay, I mean, my suspects are usual. Uh, the guys I backed before the clay season, they haven't really done well. One is Schwartzman, one is Pui. Mm-hmm. And Chung won a few matches but then lost in the semis uh, in Munich to Zverev. And uh, then uh, I was big on Hashinov last year. I think he's uh, he definitely is more suited. I think his style of play on on the slow clay courts. I I, I have him. I think uh, beating uh, Del Potro here uh, in my draw. Oh really? I actually now that Gasquet beat Berdych, I don't even think Hachanov can beat Hachanov can uh, can get through Gasquet. I don't know. Gasquet has uh, is uh, is is on the rise again. I think he's feeling good. Uh, but Laura, I think the last year and a half, Gasquet hasn't had the best of health. He he gets injured, or there's some sort of an illness that's been bothering him. So that's, I mean, that's a very fair call if Gasquet can go and play Juan Martin. But I think, uh, I think Hachanov. I'm, you know, I'm picking Hachanov in that one. But yeah, you could be right. I mean, yeah, big Gasquet. Hachanov, but um, I, I th- and I wouldn't bet my mortgage on Gasquet or actually anything on Gasquet. But you know, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm feeling it. Sometimes I just go with absurd bad feelings and I'm always wrong. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then uh, if you have the draw open, then let's look at the very top where Nadal is sitting. Uh, is there anyone who's going to take a set this time? Uh, what do you see in front of you? Oh, I thought you were going to say win and I was going to say um, no. But <laughs> I mean, if Monfi gets past the very difficult Basilashvili, <laughs> um, I'm joking here. But, you know, Basilas really can be tricky. Uh, he, he, he's uh, moody, so you never know. And Monfi, I don't know if he ever got some decent rackets to play with. But anyway, so let's assume Monfi plays Nadal. Maybe he can get a set. Maybe. But, uh, no, I have Nadal straight to the quarters versus Delpo. Mm. Yeah. That's so Nadal and Del Potro, huh? Yeah. yeah. I think Nadal may be tested, uh, you're right. Maybe Monfils plays him a close set, but I don't see him dropping a set. Uh, yeah. Uh, Schwartzman was one of the guys who I thought would play him tough, but he's struggling to win matches. He's only won one match against Pella. Yeah. Uh, and then since... Uh, or maybe he has won two matches this clay season. So he's struggling clearly, but I think he can get through Manorino and get to Nadal in the round of 16, but Nadal's going to come through. Mm-hmm. And then I have Chorich beating Karina Busta. Chorich is well-rested, mm-hmm. and Karina Busta, I think, lost to TFO. So I think there's an opening for Chorich in my mind on this court. I see. And uh, Chorich will play Struff in the second round. Yes, I have Chorich beating Struff. Um, if Struff gets past, uh, you know, Marius, <laughs> so the very difficult Marius. Uh, but do you have Chorich beating team or the other way? That's a tough one. I mean, this was team season again, but uh, this is a guy like you know who's becoming much more of a mystery. You know? Like uh, he was supposedly so good in this third festival last year. This was his breakout year. Uh, you know, now he's kind of a mini veteran mm-hmm. breakout, and that he's gonna go challenge Nadal. But now, who knows what he's feeling like? He has a new coach, the coach who was with I think Hachanov last year as a second coach. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, the guys we hang out on Twitter with, like Florian, he's really knowledgeable about the tennis scene and particularly team. So uh, there's not much hope coming from that box either. So to answer your question, I think he will keep his date with Chorich. And uh, right now I'll pick team, but then depending on how team is playing, Chorich is more focused, I think, under Piatti. He's playing with a plan. And I think uh, he looks back in this tournament better because the Novak-Djokovic match in Monte Carlo, I think... A lot of people expected Chorich to win that match, and that was his undoing. Yeah. If Djokovic was coming in as a heavy favorite, I think Chorich would have played better. I think Chorich kind of was choking in that match. Novak gave him some openings, and Chorich didn't rise to the occasion. But I believe this draw, 
he has a very good chance of beating team. But I'll still put Nadal versus team as my quarter. Yeah, I agree. But and and I also have team. But uh, you're right. George plays better um, when all the pressure is not on him, and I think most do, I guess. Um, so let's see. And also, it's in Madrid. It's not Rome, so it's faster. Maybe not ideal for team. I, I don't know. So. Uh, how many matches with Misha Zverev and Del Bonis? Who's winning that one? Del Bonis came through qualifying. This is a yeah. fast play court. Yeah, I mean, I love Misha Zverev. They're like the next person, actually, maybe more. But I, I don't know. I, it's. Uh, I think Del Bonis, having played qualis, he should win. Yeah. So. I think Del Bonis is a better clay court player, but you never know. I mean, uh, Zverev is still. You know, he's won few matches this year on clay. And Del Bonis's ranking is uh, not what it used to be, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I, th- I also think Del Bonis wins that one. Yeah. So let's move on to the fourth seed. This is Juan Martin Del Potro. A lot of people are talking about him, even beyond clay. He's a guy. I think even tennis pundits like Courier and Gimelstab they thought he has the best chance to become number one outside of uh, the the top three guys, or basically a new number one. Yeah. If there was to be one. So you are buying into hype? You think Juan Martin is finally getting it? Not hype. I think um, I, he looks uh, very, very fit and, you know, uh, engaged with the tour. Uh, I don't think his personality his personality is a little bit more um, laid back usually and not the shark uh, mentality unless he's playing fed. That's the only time he's like, he was, oh, that's not fair. He has uh, had big wins with other, uh, you know, in other matches. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I buy all the Delpo stock right now. I'm just feeling it. I think, um, I think he's going to do well here. If not here mm-hmm. next week, you know, maybe first tournament back. But um, I don't know about number one. I still have a lot of, you know, uh, faith in what Fed is going to bring when he's back, but um, but he's uh, he's up there. He's gonna. Why not? You know. No, I agree, and uh, I just want to go back and clarify. If a Del Potro fan is listening, I didn't mean the hype as an insult. I meant hype as in Del Potro has also been injured forever for the longest periods, and he's playing a very selective schedule. Yeah. So to be number one, you win two majors or you win a lot of tournaments. So that's my only thing. If he has to become number one, he has to win a major or two. Otherwise, Federer and Nadal, I think the rankings is going to stay there. Yeah. I don't see a third person unless someone wins the match. And take less breaks, which he, it, he, he seems to have found the key to what makes him happy. And who are we or anyone to, to argue with that? You know, if, if, and like Federer, you know, right now he needs the breaks. So athletes find the way that their body responds better. And if Delpo needs two weeks off or, you know, skipping a few tournaments, he's no longer 18 either or 24, you know. So, um, yeah. Number one could be hard unless he wins uh, US Open or something much sooner than that. Number one is possible if there's the wealth is divided. If everybody wins one slam and then even the Masters 1000s are split. Because if, you know, one or two people are dominating, then it's pretty hard to steal the number one from those guys. But he already yeah. he won he won Indian Wells, so that's like the best start for him. He's never won a Masters one thousand. So he's probably conversation. Yep. So looking at his draw, uh, I said yep. he might come in short against Hachinov, but you already think Hachinov is gonna lose to Gasquet. So you're picking Del Potro out of this sixteen? Yeah, I mean, I actually had written Hachanov, but after today's results, I have Gasquet maybe. But either way, it doesn't matter because, yeah, uh, I have um, Carbayes, Bayena uh, playing Delpo and Delpo beating him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good win. Carbayes, Bayena has been making steady progress and Kevin Anderson still team ready. But then this is a faster, you know, high-bouncing clay court. So maybe this is where Anderson... Uh, I'm picking Anderson to beat Carbayes. Bias Bayana here, but that's a, you're I mean, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but again, it's your yeah. Anderson, it's like okay, so he'll win this one, but he'll lose the next one. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you're analyzing this draw. So who are your uh, two players from this section? Is it who's playing Del Potro in the round of sixteen or in the quarterfinal? Sorry, uh, Nadal. Okay. Else? It's Nadal Delpo, and I have chosen Delpo. I really hope I don't jinx it. 
please don't kill me, people who love uh, Delpo. Uh, but I, I believe in him. I think he is going to bring it. He's going to get up for this. And if there's anyone who can cha- challenge Nadal, it could be Delpo. If his serve could be very effective. And yeah. Right. So Nadal and Delpo is going to be the semi. Yeah. Yeah, I, I said before I had a Delpo playing uh, Caballes Bayana before. Okay, all right. So yeah. let's we'll compare these notes uh, next Friday. All right, so let's look at the uh, bottom section, bottom half, starting with David Goffin, who's my finalist, actually. I don't know if he's your finalist. Uh, I think he's found his game, and I, if there are no injuries or setback, I think he is going to be one, one guy who's, who's going to be very tough to beat here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been going back and forth between Goffin and Zverev in that section. But um, yeah, it should be Goffin. It makes every logical sense that Goffin should be the one. But that's a hard section. There's Chang. I mean, why not Chang beating Goffin? You know, it's... uh, it's, uh, I know Chang didn't play well last week uh, versus Sasha. But um, I don't know. I It's a... What do you think? It's a toss-up, I think. And, it and- is a toss-up. You know, my, my thing is a lot of time when I look at these names, uh, I, I start over-analyzing. And like you said, Chung lost this week. If Had Chung at least taken a set there, things change very fast. And uh, uh, and when you start analyzing as a fan's point of view, you, you are absolutely right. Chung was one of my dark horses for the season. He still could be. This is a big week. Uh, mm-hmm. But I still think he's a fan just because he's had more matches now under his belt and he's taking a week off. He didn't play this week, and he's going to come in fresh. And uh, but it's a very tricky match. You're right, Chang yeah. or Haas, a tricky match. Who, that's going to be Goffin's first match. But uh, I'm going to back him all the way because that's uh, what my uh, prediction was for the draw. Uh, yeah. But this section, this uh, where Novak Djokovic also lives. You know, a couple of matches uh, down the draw sheet, he's playing yeah. Kane Shikori. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah, I do have Jay beating Novak just because I think uh, it's a lot of pressure on Novak first round and confidence has not been there. So I don't know. I think Jay will also be very keen and he's not going to be tired. You know, what the the worst time to have Jay is the first round. You know, if you have him in a final, maybe he's tired or injured. But I don't know. I think uh, Jay will get through. Uh, I'm not saying not, uh, you know Djokovic is not going to be better. I think he has been improving, but and I think it's going to be a good match, and I hope so. Um, yeah. And you know the joke is going to be on all of us who have Jay win beating Djokovic when Djokovic actually comes out and wins probably. But um, I don't know. It. I mean, it's horrible. It's a horrible section not just for those two but then for you know the winner of Goffin Chang and it's just tough over there it is tough I think it's uh, you know I've also followed Nishikori's you know, you know track uh, record for the last few years and uh, he's been coming uh, consistently short against Novak in a lot of the big matches when Novak was playing you know his best tennis couple of years ago and Novak is in a tough uh, it, it's tough to do any sort of prediction on him because He's clearly doing everything outside of tennis. Is pointing that he's back, but then on the court, he's still uh, quite a ways from where he used to be. And uh, and it's not what Nadal and Federer. They also had their lack of form, but their body language, uh, you know, never looked like Djokovic's body language the way it was in Miami. Of course, it's gotten better, like in Monte Carlo. But then he lost to Klesan. Yeah. Uh, even if Djokovic wins, I'm not fully convinced. But yeah, if he wins, it's going to be a big step towards you know. Yeah. Uh, the right direction, but then again, uh, he hasn't given enough uh, uh, enough signs that you know he's he's back to that elite level. It may take him a little longer, but yeah, with Baida coming back, who knows? He's making all the right noise outside the court, and if he maybe he's a couple of wins away because you know I'm not doubting his greatness, but yeah, this could be it. If he if he gets passed through this, um, this could be the confidence you know that he needs, and yeah. I, I don't have it past him. I, 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 I know he hasn't been convincing, and you mentioned body language and stuff. But I, I don't know. I think he's going to be there soon, and um, it, it's not for lack of you know desire. I, I don't know. Maybe he just needs to gain strength. I don't know. The his body itself has been seeming 
Yeah. Everyone's been saying he cannot forget how to play tennis. This guy was absolutely the best player, you know, not too long ago. So yeah. we are not doing that. But again, uh, his slump is like somewhat, you know, I don't know. A lot, a lot of people hate comparisons, but this reminds me. The closest thing is Max Villander. You know, in '88 when mm-hmm. he won, everything, he lost motivation. Novak, I don't think he lost motivation. It was like some sort of emotional fatigue or some burnout. Maybe then added up with elbow injuries. So. Yeah, he, I look at this way. Novak's two biggest rivals are cleaning house. If that doesn't motivate him, nothing will. So I think Novak will find a way back sooner or later. But yeah. uh, I will take him week by week. I don't want to do something, okay, this is a make or break week. I think if he can get few matches here, he's on the right track. I'm not expecting too much out of him yet. There will be openings. I mean, he's still, he's still, you know, young. Let's stop confusing all the generations and, you know, putting, you know, Fed, that's the most, as a Fed fan, as you keep calling me, uh, this is the most aggravating thing, you know, when you hear comparisons of Feder to people who are five years younger than him, or you know. So, yeah, I think there's going to be plenty of time for Djokovic to regain, you know, his momentum. Yeah, but I think uh, you, you're, even though you are, uh, you know, this is uh, frustrating as a Federer fan, but, you know, that's that, that's the narrative these guys have written for themselves. Even going back, Lindell yeah. and Becker were the biggest rivals, but uh, Lendl was, what, seven or like six years older than Becker, if, I, if I'm correct. And they played some of the mm-hmm. most intense matches, you know, during my childhood when I was watching tennis. And, uh, you know, you yeah. come, because they, their peaks somewhat collided. And similarly, Federer, mm-hmm. you know, he keeps extending his glory days, so... Novak is one of his biggest rivals, not Marat or Andy, you know, the guys who grew up with him. So, uh, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the greatness. This is the flip side of greatness that Federer has created for himself. And I'm sure Djokovic is creating the same because a few years down the road, Djokovic and Zverev would be measured against each other. And then people might be saying the same thing. Well, he's, you know, so younger than Novak. But let's see. <laughs> so... Can I interrupt before you continue with the draw? Yeah. Um, when where were you watching uh, in the late eighties? As you just mentioned, was that back home or uh, you? Actually- uh, we used to get uh, Wimbledon uh, semis and finals, and then U.S. Open semis and finals. That's the only live matches and French final. Yeah, so we used to get like five matches a year. Yeah, and then I started following these guys, and then I started getting my tennis through newspapers, through radio. So yeah. that was a different era. And, uh, when you saw a match, you read in the newspaper, you knew you were head-to-heads. You don't go on Google clicking, you know, what's the head-to-head between, you know, Marat and Andy. Yeah, so that was, that was different. Was then. it, um, and then, which city are you from? I'm from New Delhi. And did you have a Color TV? Color TV was exactly in Wimbledon 86, yeah. Uh, this is the year when uh, we got Color TV, yeah. I watched, I think, the first one. My, I remember vaguely. My dad watching McIndoe and Connors. Just a glimpse of Connors is stuck in my memory. I didn't know what tennis was. Mm-hmm. I remember something from that 84 final. And then I didn't watch tennis till 85. Didn't have any recollection. And then I became a fan in 87 when uh, Becker lost to Peter Duhan. So my, my f- memories as a fan have always been triggered by losses. I remember losses more than wins. Kind of a tragic, but th- th- those, those have been the big, big driving points as a fan for me. That's, that's interesting. I I also remember Wimbledon, and 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 it was in black and white, <laughs> so the grass was gray. But yeah. So yeah, and the next guy, if we look back in the draw sheet, is Luca Pui. This guy, you know, has so much promise. He flirts with you know a lot of fans, like we're showing expectations, and he's a no show. And a lot of people, you know, label him as another French talent that who may not materialize the greatness he's promising. So, I don't know. I think he's, he's young also, and I actually expect him to do well this week. I, I have him in the semis. I have him beating Goffin. But, you know, I've been going back and forth, so, you know, I'm not sure about that. But I think he's he's going to be good again. I think he had a little bit of, you know, disappointment, but there's no reason why he shouldn't. He's healthy, right? He's healthy and training and He's healthy. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, these are tournaments where you expect him to start making his move now. And and I think in a French matchup with Pair, I like Pui. And then I also like Pui against Shapovalov, who's not really comfortable on yeah. play yet. Some of the other next-gen guys. And then uh, then there's Grigor Dimitrov. I don't know what to make of this guy. Uh, 
he keeps polarizing the conversation. Uh, how far do you think he'll go in this tournament? Um, I did have him beating Raonic, but now I'm thinking Raonic could be facing a challenge versus kicker. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Then again, you know, he should get through that. But uh, it's not an easy first round for Milos. Um, so miraculously, I do pick um, Dimitrov. I say that because I never picked Dimitrov. <laughs> I don't know. I have zero faith in him. Obviously, a very, very talented guy. Um, but uh, I have him losing to Pui. That's my choice. So, Pui is your quarterfinalist? Okay. Yeah. So, it's going to be Pui versus Gofan. Yes. And obviously, my picks are to be laughed at. Because <laughs> whatever I choose, you can go and put your money on the opposite. <laughs> I haven't had a good track record lately. But yeah, I put it out there. All right, and then uh, there's the big man, John Isner. Uh, are you buying his Miami success? Because he's someone who's playing well again. And a lot of people think he has the tools to disrupt even Nadal and play. I won't go that far because, you know, Isner, I think, is not a great best of five set player. But uh, what is your take on Isner and his draw? How far you see him advancing in Madrid? I do have him in the quarters, quarters against Sasha, but um, I, it's not that... Um, I mean, he, I've been impressed. I was very impressed. I watched that Miami final and I couldn't believe my eyes. Um, not because he won, but because of how he won. And it wasn't, it was pretty, you know, you have to just be objective and admit that he was good. Um, and it was a lot more than just serving, you know, serve both. So I think he's going to do well here. He can, he can do uh, enough disruption, as you say, uh, but not even close to disrupting Nadal in, you know, in, you know, Roland Garros or something like that. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I think so. People, but again, you know, sir, people. I see where people are coming from. Nick Nemiroff had him, who was a guest on the last podcast. He thought mm-hmm. him and Nadal are the only two people because they have big enough shots. Yeah. Uh, but I still think it's a tall order to you know to challenge Nadal. Nadal still has to be part of the equation. He has to have an off day. I just don't see anyone, not named Novak, who can go toe to toe on Nadal on clay if Nadal's playing that well and Novak is not playing the way he used to. Yeah. Yeah, and Nadal is just so confident. That I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna repeat what everyone else has been saying. It's uh, who's gonna beat him? You know, there's no. That's why I picked Delpo to, to beat him because I don't know. Delpo is. A, I don't give a. You know, he doesn't give many. Uh, I don't want to curse on your podcast, but he, he, he's a, he's bold like that. So I think Delpo has the balls. It's just yeah. Yeah. I also think again, uh, people Matt Zemek might get mad, you know, who's assisting me in the in the website. I think Pui has a game. If Pui has the right frame of mind and uh, mm-hmm. he can stay close, I think he can mm-hmm. open the court with the you know backhand down the line. That's something you know you need against Nadal. And even he yeah. can hit the backhand cross court. His targets are really good. I think he's one yeah. guy. He can play Nadal not too early, not too late in the tournament. Like I think fourth round and a cloudy. You know, uh, Philippe Chatrier with partisan French crowd. I think if Pui stays close, he can challenge Nadal. I don't know if he's going to beat him, but he definitely has the capability of taking a set on even on clay. That's that's yeah, my prediction. Way too far ahead for French Open. I don't know about best of five, but yeah. I mean, best of five, it has to be like some something crazy. First round, you know, something, uh, you know, someone coming out of... Just, yeah, but there is there is no someone like that. I mean, it, it, you know, Soderling did it. Soderling did it, but that was around. No, kidding, kidding. <laughs> well, Tsitsipas played well the first set. You thought he was, you know, he even held his first game. No, um, I don't know. A fresh Tsitsipas, maybe, but no, you're right. I don't so know. Just, maybe uh, a year away. But again, you know, these things always turn out funny if someone does beat him. But yeah, it's very unlikely. So yeah. let's talk about Tsitsipas. Uh, he is going to play Donskoy, and then uh, you think he has enough in the tank? He's played two weeks back-to-back final and semis. Uh, this is like new new grounds for him. You think he has enough in the body to bounce back? Maybe on Tuesday in a match? Yeah, I guess Tuesday, right? Um, I mean, he's young. He should be okay for Tuesday. And Donskoy, come on. I saw him live. I've seen him live actually a couple of times. It's funny how you 
how many live matches have I seen in my life? And from those, I've seen Donskoy in five meters distance, once at US Open uh, playing Pui in a court that doesn't even exist anymore, very small court. And I saw him at the New York Open. And I mean, it's I don't I don't see Donskoy having the weapons to beat Tsitsipas on clay. So I think it's a very advantageous first qualifying placement for for Stefanos. And mm-hmm. then he gets the hard one, you know, because Sasha is going to be there. And uh, yeah, Sasha should win that. Yeah, and I think uh, Sasha, like any great player, not that he was going to discount Tsitsipas anyway, but now Tsitsipas has kind of raised his hand amongst the next-gen players and, you know, everybody's talking about him. Besides the beautiful backhand, you know, this guy really can play on clay. You know, he's won, what, nine matches in the last two weeks. And if he beats Donskoy, yeah, that's going to be a good match between uh, Sasha and Tsitsipas. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm backing Sasha to win. Uh, Sasha's definitely more accomplished. He's one guy who gives you the idea that he can stay with Nadal, but then, uh, you know, whenever he's played Nadal, he's not even close. But again, I like the fire in Sasha. I think that's uh, Sasha yeah. has a champion belief yeah. without being a champion yet at that level. He's won everything else besides the majors. So he's one guy who, you know, who, who wants that bad. He's not shying away from Nadal or Federer or Djokovic. He wants those guys. Yeah, the only fact, you know, people making fun of him that he's arrogant, which I, I absolutely despise. You know, I find it ridiculous that I, I don't, I don't like when they um, find this, you know, annoying about him. I, I think that's, you know, impressive. You want an athlete with belief, and you want an athlete. I know there's, I know there's ways to be humble and still good and have belief, but I, it, that doesn't uh, definitely doesn't put me off. And yes, I think the secret ingredient to beating Nadal will be that type of belief, you know, that someone could do it. So, uh, but do you, sorry to backtrack, do you see Tsitsipas getting through Donskoy or do you think he's tired? I, I, I think I, I'm going to echo what you said. If it's Tsitsipas is healthy, like uh, fit, he has his legs, he wins this one because now he has confidence. And someone uh, was telling me, I think it's Murray Tunga who comes to the podcast, he's a very knowledgeable guy former, I think, Davis Cup captain of Turkey, he said Tsitsipas some, has a problem, like technical flaw. I think he plays too much on the back foot. and But on the mm-hmm. clay, that flaw is covered more because you can slide into it and then he grew up on clay. So Tsitsipas is right. really one of those guys, I think, of the next gen who is looking better on clay than he's better than the hard courts. Mm-hmm. To answer your question, yeah. yeah, if he's feeling his legs, if he, you know, he, he wins that one. He might even challenge Varen. But uh, it's very tricky waters I've seen when people play two good tournaments at this level. It's very physical. And he'll get a Tuesday yeah. start three days between uh, the loss to Sousa. And uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, I'm going to still put Tsitsipas slight favorite. But let's keep his progress, how healthy, uh, how he's feeling energy-wise and if he's fatigued. Yeah, I mean, and then Sasha coming with uh, confidence from his win. And I don't think he had to work that hard to to win this week and it's been good conditions, no rain delays and stuff. So he should be fresh and uh, yeah, I have Zverev playing Pui in the semis. In the semis? Wow, I have Zverev losing to Goffin in the semis. Yeah, I have two two separate scenarios. So one is either Pui or Goffin, but uh, you know, uh, let's, let's, uh, for so I can be different than you, I'll go with Pui and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be happy with either result because Pui's tennis is, again, you know, it's, it's a very uh, good style of tennis. He's fun to watch. And uh, so is, you know, this other matchup. Let's talk about first round of Fonini and Meyer. I know. I have, I have Leo, the amazing Leo, <laughs> the name of all the kids of tennis players. Um, actually, Leo, as they probably call him in Argentina. Um, I have Leo winning that for some reason. What do you uh, think? That's a fair shot. I mean, again, with Fabio, you don't know. You know, Fabio last week uh, also lost a first round in, I think, Munich to his countrymen. I don't know if I'm saying the name right. Cacinato? Cacinato, I would guess. But yeah, I don't know why Cacinato has been beating so many people lately. But uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I had a question on Tsitsipas. I know your brother, you know, your family is still uh, based in, in Greece. Uh, how is Tsitsipas' success uh, being seen in, 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 the, in the home country? Is he putting people back in front of the television set? Uh, and even Maria Sakari is doing well? Well, okay. Well, first, uh, my bro- my little brother, I have two brothers. The other one is in your city, in Boston. Um, 
time, he probably wouldn't even know who Federer is. <laughs> um, but my younger brother is based in Cape Town in South Africa, but he happened to be uh, traveling and catch, uh, catch uh, Tsitsipas um, in Spain, and then he was back in Athens seeing my mom. So yes, the, it, he made the, he's making the news now, even the fact that my mom knows his name. Uh, not just because I keep mentioning him to her, but because she hears it on the radio. My mom listens to a lot of Greek radio. So he's um, mainstream sports news. Um, you know, there's mostly just football in Greece, uh, you know, soccer, they call it here. Um, and now he definitely has put tennis back on the map. Uh, that's true. I don't know about people watching TV because I don't... When I'm visiting home, I can catch uh, some tournaments on Eurosport. And um, so I don't know how many people actually tune in to see your question, but I think people are, are getting the name now. They, they know the name and it's, it's bringing excitement for sure. And Sakari, it's funny. I remember her mom uh, in the 80s. Uh, she had like uh, maybe... Was it deodorant commercial? I didn't even know which sport she played. You know, I was so clueless. And so, you know, such little TV at the time. It sounds like I was born in the Middle Ages. But um, but uh, there was zero talk about tennis. Um, so now, yeah, she also says that there was a full house watching them uh, playing Fed Cup in Tatoi. Uh, in Athens, and yeah, I think it's uh, it's amazing for the next generation. No, it, it's definitely. Uh, even I've seen, you know, in the Indian community, you know, who I interact with, uh, who is not on Twitter, Sitsipas name just rocketed up because a lot of people didn't know. And then, you know, you all, a lot of people know when someone reaches the semis or a final, and everybody's talking about his backhand mm-hmm. in my tennis league. And uh, of course, you know, I had to share my podcast, and oh, they said you know him. I say, yeah, not know him, but. He was nice enough to speak to me last year, but you guys, thanks for listening. Nobody listened to that podcast. Now, since you read the Barcelona final, everybody wants to listen to the podcast. But yeah, his game is transcending really well to the next level. And I think he's he's getting a lot of new fans and he's really smart. And I think also on social media, promoting, you know, his image. Too much, but you're right. I mean, it's working. And you know what? I... I'm actually shocked because I, I thought, okay, some niche fans like us, you know, the obsessed ones on Twitter will, you know, talk about him. But I'm surprised to see he's becoming really popular. You know, people who, he, I guess he's very likable for some reason. I, I, I mean, I shouldn't say for some reason. But uh, but also, I think a lot of people really like the one hand backhand. That's what I tried to make a point last week. I was listening, you know, I remember the podcast I did with him. And I asked about the backhand. He said, yeah, everybody talks about my backhand, but forehand is my weapon. And if you look at him in this run yeah. in Barcelona, he dictates a lot with his forehand. Yeah. On play, you know? And then he has a great forehand drop shot, you know, very Fed-like or very Juan Carlos Ferrero-like. He can disguise it and hold it till the very last second. I, at least I saw him do it twice in Barcelona. Yeah. So that's why I was talking to, I think, Brianna, who was in the podcast. I think, to me, he is uh, more of a hybrid between Haas and Federer, you know, the backhand. Uh, yeah. but again, There's no doubt who his idol was when you yeah. see him. His idol was Roger, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm really curious to see if I had to find if I had a tape how his mom played tennis uh, for the USSR, or I, I think that's where she played. But and then she played for Greece as well, I guess. Yeah, she yeah, was the best player in Greece because it all plays a part in how the kids start skating. But uh, yeah. I, I I'm I'm so happy. I almost feel like because uh, I've been watching this and it, it feels unreal, and I'm almost trying to be a little more uh, judgmental, almost like almost not liking him too much, and you know. But uh, so that's yeah, that's where I stand on Tsitsipas. Okay, so let's finish this. So, uh, who's your finalist? Who's who are the two finalists that are going to be competing for the? Uh, Madrid tournament on next Sunday. Brace yourself. You're going to laugh, as most people have when I said it. It's Delpo versus... Well, okay, now I have to say Sasha because I picked... Uh, I had Goffin losing to Puig, but I I think it's either Delpo versus Sasha or Delpo versus Goffin, but I have Delpo winning. Against Nadal, huh? 
No, no, forget Nadal. <laughs> Nadal lost to Delphi. Okay, well, that's, that's a very bold move. You know, you know where you headed. You know, I have to go with it. Stick into it. Sorry, I didn't hear you. What, what did you just say? No, I'm saying I'm, I'm sticking to it, and I'm saying Delpo will win Madrid. Okay. I'm, sorry. I'm laughing. No, this is, this is how, you know, sometimes you have to make a bold call. I mean, and yeah. Nadal still, as good as he is, he's never swept all five tournaments. He's always lost, you know, one of these events. So maybe this year, you know, it may not happen. But, uh, yeah, on, on the other hand, uh, I will, you know, beg to differ. I think Nadal's going to win Madrid again, and he's going to beat uh, Goffin in the finals. Yeah, that's a good pick, you know, so cute. <laughs> I'm impressed you predict that because, yeah, that's a very good pick. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's, let's yeah. see how it goes. So anyway, uh, but I, I think before you, recover. can I say something? Um, I want to say for your podcast, I think it's been a blessing because look at Tara Daniel. He was one of your interviewees before Tsitsipas, I think, right? Yes, he was. Whoever has done your podcast has gone on to do great things. So that's sorry to interrupt, but that's what I wanted to say. That's a fair shout. I mean, yeah, I mean, those two guys, you know, were nice enough. I approached them and then they both did an interview, especially Daniel's interview was very refreshing. He was, I think, the, Who's the next uh, young player on the. Uh, on the be you know getting the magic wand of tennis accent yeah hopefully you know we can get one more interview like that this year uh i think Pass is now uh, out of my reach i think he's probably much more in demand so i won't bother him even though he promised that he might come on the podcast again but now i know his, his media demand has rocketed so i'll keep my distance and you know let the guy breathe i don't want to bother him with requests so i think we covered a lot today and uh let me edit this and uh, re- release this soon because Madrid is in full motion tomorrow morning. And Laura, thanks for doing this. It was a wonderful chat. Uh, your, you know, your knowledge of the draw is, you know, as usual, it's a fun exercise doing this. And uh, as a fan, always just a fan, a clueless fan with bad accent. And sorry, I pronounce some things very bad. No, no, that's just totally fine. No bad accent. Uh, there's no such thing as a bad accent. That's why tennis is so international. We all are, you know, seeing the, the you know, the yellow fuzzy ball travel back, back and forth. And uh, no matter if it's Gasquet or Gasquet or Richard or Richard, whatever, you know, we live in America. We we, we hear many foreign names, you know, get murdered here, but it's okay. Uh, anyway, thanks for doing this once again, and I should release this soon. Uh, and thanks for everyone who's been tuning in, like Laura herself, uh, to support the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you.